Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Thursday, November 16th. God works with what we give Him. Today's scripture reading is found in Genesis chapter 38, verses 12 through 18 from the message translation and warning. Now this is still not family friendly. Time passed. Judah's wife, Shua's daughter, died. When the time of mourning was over, Judah with his friend Hira of Adullam went to Temnah for the sheep shearing. Tamar was told, your father-in-law has gone to Temnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes and put on a veil to disguise herself and sat at the entrance to Enaim, which is on the road to Temna. She realized by now that even though Sheila was grown up, she wasn't going to be married to him. Judah saw her and assumed she was a prostitute, since she had veiled her face. He left the road and went over to her. He said, Let me sleep with you. He had no idea that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you pay me? I'll send you, he said, a kid goat from the flock. She said, Not unless you give me a pledge until you send it. So what would you want in the way of a pledge? She answered, Your personal seal and cord and the staff you carry. He handed them over to her and slept with her. And she got pregnant. And yes, this is God's word. Nope, this is still not family friendly. And yes, this is indeed God's word. But do we seriously need to be reading this? As many of us are starting our day. Just a wee bit of prostitution over a morning coffee as we add the cream and sugar. Where art thou, O Philippian letter, filled with reminders to rejoice in the Lord always, to let our moderation, our soft touch, be evident to all, because the Lord is near? Though I suppose Genesis 38 is okay if you haven't had your morning shower yet. Go ahead. Take your shower. I'll wait. But then Genesis 38 will still be waiting for you when you're done. No, the Lord doesn't seem near anywhere in this sordid tale as the stately palm of overarching grace takes matters into her own hands to get herself some justice in a culture with little, if any, recourse for women, especially widows, by whatever means necessary. And this is the point, I suppose, or one of them. As I put it at the close of yesterday's devotions, Tamar had no intention of passively withering away in her potted exile. As the stately palm stirs, this overarching grace bends back into the story in a way no one, especially Judah, her father-in-law, could see coming. And in so doing, the divine bends into a very sordid tale in a way none of us would ever imagine, let alone condone. Starting with a bit of identity theft or at least identity deception, which was a long-standing family tradition, from Abraham telling pagan kings his wife was just his sister, to Isaac doing the same thing, 
to Lot's daughters tricking their drunk father into sex to keep humanity going, to Jacob pretending to be his brother, to Laban passing off his oldest daughter, Leah, as his youngest, Rachel, under a veil, of course. So Tamar is operating within the parameters of thoroughly established family tradition. And she had carefully thought through the plan. Her father-in-law would eventually find out she's pregnant and naturally assume she'd slept around illicitly. So she secures the proof of his identity as said illicit father as insurance when the time came, banking on some semblance of a conscience in him that would result in her life being spared. In the meantime, she just had to plug her nose and do what she had to do. So let's summarize. We have two dead godless sons. We have a widow left hanging. We have a father reneging on his promise. We have that father's deceased wife. And we have a widowed father desperate for some sex and finding it with his widowed daughter-in-law who is equally desperate for justice. And this is a star attraction from the Messiah's pedigree? Because all of this is what the bare mention of the name Tamar in Matthew's genealogy puts on the table, as the family history is told through names the way we tell it through a PowerPoint slideshow. Now, make no mistake, this is not prescriptive go-and-do-thou-likewise narrative, but is thoroughly descriptive storytelling. God didn't will or intend any of this but he worked through all of it. God always works through all of it. God works with what we give him. And no matter how much unnecessary pain we inflict on ourselves or on others thereby, he moves the overall momentum of redemption and healing rippling outward in ways that defy imagination. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, what's the most unsavory story from your own past or your family's past through which God worked anyway? What happened? Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore too often Manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold to the hidden figures in the byline, in the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told, nor we here to tell it, or to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rechav, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam, Help me not to brush by them or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem on one starry, starry night. Your mercies.